y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Hey y'all, it's Allie, and I'm so excited to be coming to y'all with Season 2, Episode 1 of the newly renamed Ag Chicks Podcast. You may or may not have noticed that there has been a name change around here. The podcast is no longer called The Dirt, even though we will still be getting all the juicy details. The podcast name is now Ag Chicks, and I kind of want to start off by explaining a little bit about that and why I did a name change, and hopefully everything will kind of make sense moving forward. But a big part of it was my Instagram and YouTube and all of that was is Ag Chicks and will remain Ag Chicks, but the podcast really started out for me to talk to individuals in agriculture and really kind of get their side of things and their story. And after season one, it really transformed into something more than that, where it became me highlighting women in agriculture and women connected to the Western way of life. So it just kind of made sense that in continuing the brand of Ag Chicks, why not just change everything to Ag Chicks and make it more streamlined, make everything make more sense. And hopefully um, it's a little bit less confusing. So that's why the name changed and things um, will be looking a little bit different. And I'm also going to incorporate myself a lot more into the podcast. So as you can tell, I'm, well, obviously you can't tell because you can't see me, but I'm alone for this episode. And I really wanted to start off by kind of diving into a little bit about my story and a little bit about why I started the podcast, Instagram platform, and YouTube and all of that as really with agriculture and an agriculture advocacy mindset behind it. So I wanted to kind of jump into that. And I also want to thank all of you for tuning in. It really does mean the world to me that you're supporting myself in this journey. And there's hopefully going to be lots of changes, lots of great new content coming your way. So thanks for coming along and I hope that you enjoy all of it. So why did I start Ag Chicks? I feel like I've said Ag Chicks about a million times and we're only about three minutes in, so <laughs> bear with me as I get used to being alone and not having someone else to bounce the conversation off of. But I think for all of that to make sense, I better go back to kind of the beginning of my story and a little bit about my background and growing up and everything. So let's go back to Brentwood, California, um, where I grew up and was born and raised on our family's cattle and farming operation. So growing up, my dad was and still is a vegetable seed transplant um, and seed salesman. So he sells vegetable seeds and transplants to farmers and helps them kind of through that process of the seed transplants, putting it in the ground, that whole process. So that was what kind of my dad did. And then my mom was and still is a school teacher. And then we had cattle, a herd of cattle on the side. And then when I got old enough, I started showing cattle and livestock. And that was kind of like what we did. Um, we were also really involved in sports. My brother was the sports kid and I was the livestock kid. So no matter what, we were pretty much on the road doing something, whether it was going to a baseball tournament or going to a cow show. And that was basically how I grew up. Um, I was really fortunate to have a unique way to grow up, especially because we are kind of in a suburban area and we live kind of lived on the outskirts of town. So we were still in a rural area, um, actually the same town that my mom grew up in and right next door to where my grandparents live. So 
again, really unique situation, really blessed to have been able to be raised that way. And then I still got a lot of the city life thing and situation as well, too. I think when I tell people kind of my background and all of that, I think they think that I was, you know, like a small town kid, which I was for sure. But we were very fortunate in the fact that we traveled a lot for not only cattle shows, but it was also really important to my parents that they kind of got us out and showed us the world. So I've been to a lot of places and had a lot of really incredible opportunities. And I'm so thankful for all of that because I think it's helped shaped who I am and allowed me to have kind of a different perspective on life, obviously, but also the agriculture industry as a whole as well. But through high school, my game plan was I was going to be an agriculture lawyer, an agricultural lawyer. That was like the dream job. And honestly, looking back, I don't know why that was the dream job. I think it was something that someone told me one time and it was like, okay, cool. Like it sounds really successful and sounds like I'm going to make a lot of money. Like, yep, sure. That works. And it's not like the average thing that someone would put on there you know, when I want to grow up, I want to be XYZ, like it was different. And so I thought that was what was going to happen. And so when it came time to start applying for colleges, I knew I didn't want to stay in California because I had hopes that I would eventually come back and kind of take over our family operation and just be in California close to my family. Um, my family's extremely close. All of my mom's side of the family lives within like five miles of each other. So always around family, always had that connection. And that was just something that I always pictured I would have when I was done with college. So I literally applied to one school in California, um, Cal Poly, which is where my dad went. And that was my one ag school in California that I was like, yeah, okay, I, I'd go there if I got accepted. Well, <laughs> as my life would have it, I got accepted to every school I applied to, which was, you know, great, except for the fact that then I had to decide, all right, where the heck am I going to go? And all of these places are not in California. And a lot of them I have never been to or never visited. So we started with the top ones and kind of went down the list. Um, we went to Colorado State. I had been there because we'd shown in Denver every year. So I really liked Colorado. I really liked the campus. I love Fort Collins. It's like such a cute little college town. And I was like, 95% sure I was going to go there. We had talked to the judging coach. I was like ready to go. And then as I got home from that trip, I had my acceptance letter from Texas A&M in my, in the mailbox, which whenever I tell the story about how the heck I ended up applying to Texas A&M, and I don't like to tell this story because I'm through and through an Aggie at this point in my life, but I was actually a UT fan, which again, don't tell anybody, but I was a University of Texas fan because we had gone to the Rose Bowl game uh, whenever the heck they played. I think it was Michigan that they played, and the UT fans like totally adopted me into where we were sitting in the stands, and so I was burnt orange out for the majority of my time in high school. Well, when it came time to apply for college, I realized that they had no agriculture majors, and it was not like not an ag school at all, so I started looking around and I was like, okay, what else is in Texas? Obviously, Texas agriculture, Texas A&M is going to be the first thing that pops up. So I applied with having no idea really what I was getting myself into. And then when I got my acceptance letter, I was like, yeah, like, let's just go check it out to make sure I'm not missing anything. I think like I still really want to go to Colorado State. I'm like pretty sure that's where I'm going to end up, but let's just make sure I'm not missing anything. <laughs> 
well, once again, you know, when you have a plan, things don't always work out. In fact, usually they don't work out if there's a plan. And within about five minutes on the Texas A&M campus, I knew I was going to be a Texas Aggie and move, oh, you know, halfway across the country to Texas, somewhere that I had never even visited, which was weird considering all of the places we had been, but I had never even been to Texas and that's where I wanted to go to school. I'll never forget telling my mom in the bathroom in the um, student center at the MSC, yeah, mom, like, these are my people, this is where I'm going to go. And she looked at me and she was like, are you sure? Like, this is Texas. Like, we are a 30-hour drive from home. Like, are you sure you want to come here? And I was like, yep, that this is it. Like, this is it. This is where I want to be. And so the day they moved me into my dorm room my freshman year, I think my mom was definitely wishing she would have said something different in that conversation we had had way back when, a few months earlier in the in the bathroom, because it was about, oh, probably about 95 degrees, 170% humidity, and we had to move to the second floor with no air conditioning in the hallways, and it was absolutely miserable <laughs> in a total family affair where they were like, what the heck have you done, and what have you, why have you chosen to come here? So, um, yeah, if you're not familiar with Texas, I don't recommend coming and visiting between the months of about um, mid-June to September because it is really hot and humid here, um, But and the bugs are huge. But besides that, I love it here in Texas. Then as college started, I had a pretty typical college experience, you know, probably had a little too much fun, not quite enough studying, but that's okay, life lessons and Sometimes I'll never forget that one of the first days of class my freshman year, um, one of my professors said, <laughs> you learn more outside the classroom than you will sitting in these seats. And I think I kind of took that maybe a little bit too, too to heart when he had said that. But hey, you know, I graduated in four years and everything was fine. But one of the hardest things was coming to Texas. And I mean, when I say I didn't know a single person, I didn't know a single person. And a lot of the student or the people that I went to college with, like they knew people from 4-H, FFA, high school, like everybody kind of knew each other. And so I kind of felt like an outcast. So I immediately had to figure out how to be included basically. So I joined the wool judging team, didn't know a dang thing about wool or really sheep. And that, I mean, I had shown sheep at our county fair, but that was like literally it. And those were meat sheep, not wool sheep. So that was an adventure, but I seriously met my best friends from that experience and we continue to be best friends to this day. And after the wool judging team, we did livestock judging team our junior and senior year. Again, like that was, you know, hanging out with my best friends, getting to drive in a 15 person van across the country. And like, you know, that doesn't sound glamorous at all. And believe me, it is not, but it is where you really learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the people you surround yourself with. And so I think that was a really important role in my college career and experience and just kind of helping me to see, again, the agriculture industry and the livestock industry on such a grander scope. I had a pretty good idea, but just being able to go to people's ranches where like this is, that's what they do is they raise high quality livestock and being able to judge those just as practice was an incredible experience and I will never forget some of the incredible places that we went and some of the amazing people that we met along the way as well and I think that's really where I started to get this like what the heck am I going to do with my life when I graduate like I I don't 
the law thing really was not on the table anymore. To be honest, I just didn't want to study for the LSAT and I didn't think I had good enough grades, which looking back, I probably would have been totally fine, but it was just kind of at that point where I was so burnt out on school and everything else that I just wanted to be done, but yet I didn't know what I wanted to do. So when I graduated, I took an internship with the State Fair of Texas and a real estate Actually, before that, like over the summer before I started at the State Fair, I did a real estate internship because um, I kind of thought maybe real estate was what I wanted to do. Quickly figured out that I really was interested in it, but didn't want to do it full time. Um, and then the State Fair of Texas internship happened, and that was another really big thing for me because I like that was the first time I had actually had to like not work. Like I don't want to say I never had a job because I definitely had had jobs in high school and stuff like that, but. It was the first time things were on my shoulders and I was held responsible for like being in charge of a lot of things at a lot of time and balancing it and managing it and making sure everything was done. And I think that was a really big thing moving forward and helping me kind of as I've done things. Again, once the internship was coming to a close, I was like, okay, cool. Now I have to get a big girl job and still have no idea what I want to do. So I had reached out to an advisor that I had while I was a student at AM, and I said, hey, like, do you know of any positions in College Station? I kind of want to come back there. My parents have a house there still, and, you know, just to figure out how to make an income while I'm trying to figure out my life a little bit. So that's when I got in contact with the Poultry Science Department at AM. They had an open position as a program coordinator. I went through the application process, the interview process, all of that was selected and hired as a program coordinator for the Department of Poultry Science. And when I tell people I'm a program coordinator, I get a lot of like, okay, like what the heck does that mean? And for us, it's a lot of recruitment, a lot of outreach, um, engaging with potential students, prospective students, obviously with the recruitment aspect. And then I was also an academic advisor for the first uh, two years, I guess, of my career with that and I'm going on in November will be three years that I've been working with the department and I love it I've met so many incredible people and it's also opened my eyes a lot to the poultry industry which was something that I had really no concept of uh, beforehand so that's where I'm currently at and kind of my career path I guess in how things all kind of happened after college but then spring forward to April 2020 when everybody's world came crashing down with the nasty C word, not cancer, but COVID. And I was sent home to work from home. And that's when I kind of was like, all right, you know, I love my job. I love what I'm doing, but I'm still not feeling like I am completely fulfilled in things. And like, I'm super content with what I'm, what I have going on. And I really felt like there was something I needed to do connected to agriculture more than what I was doing just through the poultry department and poultry industry. And yet I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that looked like. And pretty shortly, I think it was, I went home March 12th, I think, is when we started working from home. And at the beginning of April, uh, my boyfriend Ty was fishing on the Brazos River. And he came across a calf that had, like, slipped or fallen from this cliff and was on the riverbank, completely abandoned, like, not a cow around in sight. We looked for, or he looked for the herd, talked to a couple of different ranchers, nobody knew where the calf came from, where it belongs, none of that. So he brought it home and we bottle raised this calf. And 
again, like, I had obviously had bottle babies growing up that had, were twins, or their mom died, or they weren't accepted by the mom, or whatever it may have been, but I always had, obviously, like, my parents or some of the people that worked for us, like, always would share the wealth as far as taking care of them. So this was, like, the first time I had a calf that was, like, mine, and, like, I was responsible if it ate or not, or made it, or survived, or whatever. And so that was, like, a big, like, we kind of joked that she was our COVID calf, but she totally was. And being home, and not having any social interaction, like a lot of people, like she kind of became like my outlet as far as getting outside, just kind of enjoying like just little simple things in life again. And that's really where I realized, okay, like I miss agriculture. I miss cattle. I miss these kinds of people that are involved in agriculture. Like I need to get back to this. How do I do that? What, how do I connect back to that? And so that's honestly where Ag Chicks came from. Um, May, or actually I think it was like April 28th, I hit post or publish on Ag Chicks on Instagram and my initial thought process was just to share information about agriculture and highlight some women in agriculture because I really do think that women in the industry are the pivot point and the needle point for innovation in the future within the industry. Please don't, when I say that, a lot of people think, oh, well, she's a feminist and that's not true. That couldn't really be further from the truth. I just think that there are so many crucial women in our industry that don't have a voice. And so I thought, why not give them a voice through the podcast, through highlighting them weekly, and really kind of give them a stage to tell their story. And hopefully tell other young women who were kind of like me, where they knew they liked agriculture, but didn't know what to do by highlighting others and telling their stories, maybe it'll connect with someone else and they can say, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. Like, I think I want to do that. Or, hey, I'm, you know, a stay-at-home mom and I really want to contribute to my family. Like, I'm going to start a t-shirt business or whatever, like literally whatever it might be. Just, I feel like sharing other stories and hearing from other women is such a powerful thing and using their voices for good when it comes to advocating for the agricultural industry. So after being a year into all of this and it really just being initially like a side thing that I would do when I had time, it's kind of blossomed into a a full-blown side hustle as I joke with my mom and boyfriend and everything and um, hopefully will grow, continue to grow. I've been amazed at the opportunities I've been given through it between speaking engagements and, um, you know, possibilities to attend retreats and talk to other women that's the thing I think that's just been so big is obviously through COVID we weren't talking to people and then the fact that Zoom happened and I was able to interview people literally all over the world I've talked to people in different countries and um, really kind of expand my own network has been such a cool experience and hopefully if you're listening to this you've maybe this is your first episode or maybe you listen to every episode in season one um, hopefully you've gotten something out of that I know I've gotten at least one thing from every single individual that I've talked to. But also kind of along the same lines of all of that, I recently attended Natalie Varick's Rule Rooted Retreat, which is a spinoff in conjunction with, I don't, I'm not exactly sure, I feel like I say it wrong every time, um, but to Susie Hallman's Susie School. And that was really a life-changing event, and it's kind of become a diving boards to the future of 
this whole platform I've got going on right now. So I'm super excited for the future of everything and um, really can't wait to bring you guys along. Season two is going to be chocked full of incredible women and I can't wait for you guys to hear their stories and um, my mom had gone live on Instagram a few weeks ago kind of after we attended the retreat and she kind of said it best honestly she said if I was ever concerned about the future of agriculture these women restored my faith in what what is coming and what where the future of agriculture is headed and I could not agree more and I think that as you listen to these stories through season two I think you'll agree hopefully and um really just be have a positive outlook on things especially with all the craziness going on in the world right now I think it's important to have something positive and something to look forward to so We'll have awesome guests as we progress through the season. And I just, again, want to thank all of you for listening. And hopefully you are as excited about everything as I am. And I can't wait to take you guys along for this journey. So it's ag chicks now, but we're still going to get the dirt on everybody. And I, I I can't wait to watch the rest of this season unfold. So thanks, and let's uh, let's get into the rest of season two. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook, and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.